Word of God will start at verse 9 in John chapter 15. I got it for you on the screen. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. It's not often you get an opportunity to do something last and uh, what to say and how to say it and uh, poured a lot into this one um, over the last few months thinking about what to say today. But I I wanted to give you some encouragement, uh, some reflection, uh, a challenge and something to think about all at once. And so I, I want to share with you that in Recent studies, they showed how word of mouth affects businesses. They affect restaurants and also churches. A negative review at a restaurant can affect hundreds of people if it's left online. Or if someone's really upset about it, they'll tell everybody, don't ever go there and eat there. It's horrible. But but listen to this. A positive review only gets a handful of people listening. The negative ones carry more weight. I don't know why that is. But it's quite staggering to know that one misplaced word or action may have kept hundreds of people questioning the legitimacy or validity of any given ministry. And that's tough because churches are hard to come by getting people in. And so if there's one bad impression somewhere, then that person's going to tell everybody they know. Whereas if something good happens, they're going to go, well, yeah, you know what happened there, but who knows if they'll do it again. It takes a lot of positive experiences to overcome negativity. It's true for us too. If we grew up with a history of people saying negative things over us, we also have to have a lot of positive things. They used to say a hundred positive things to overcome one negative statement in our life. And it may be more than that. I don't know. But I wanted to share that with you. And considering that, I want to know if you think that the end of our time together necessarily indicates the end of the ministries we've started together? I would think not. I think the work of the church continues long into the future and even after someone else comes in. I'm not the first here and I won't be the last. So how do we know the work that we do in a church, whether it will last and what won't? But not only in the church, we must continue the conversations about these things with each other internally and externally and about our own life's witness. What legacy do our lives leave to those who come next? I think these types of honest conversations should occur now and later as we all look forward to whatever is next. What do we learn from our experiences to take forward? I have my answers. I've been thinking about this for a while. And maybe today you'll find some of yours, or at least start that inner conversation maybe with each other. In verse 9, Jesus said, 
As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. He said he passed on the Father's love for himself to the disciples. It's what he commanded him to do with the love that he has shown them. In verse 13, uh, chapter 13, excuse me, he says that. His love soon becomes sacrificial. The love that he has for the disciples. And the disciples will soon know this and eventually they do all become martyrs. Loving others the same way Jesus loved them. Have you experienced the love of Jesus as sacrificial? Have you seen what He's done for you and given to bring you home into His family? In verse 11... He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Loving others is how we experience the joy of the Lord. It's not easily explained as it's kind of counterintuitive. Well, if I'm loving others, how does that make me happy? That should make them happy. Because that's how we think. We're taught to think, how does this affect me? But if we love others, the truth is, the joy of the Lord becomes your strength through loving others. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength and loving others brings us joy. Whereas, let me ask you this. If you feel disgruntled with somebody and you start mentioning to people, does that make you happy? No. Just makes you more upset, doesn't it? But if you start loving people, your heart starts getting involved in the conversation and you bring joy out of your heart. Even if the person isn't someone on your favorite list, loving brings joy, and it's God's joy it brings, not yours, not a self-manufactured kind. And in verse 12, Jesus repeats the commandment again. This is My commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He keeps repeating this phrase. In one form or another, He says it over and over again, in verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 13 through this point in chapter 15, seven times. This is the seventh time he says it. And he says it yet again in verse 17. He keeps saying that, love one another, keep my command. And the, all these things will come if you love one another. It's hard to miss the point. What he's trying to make. It may be hard for us to keep the point, but it's hard to miss it. As a matter of fact, Jesus makes loving someone easy. And as I was driving here, I was thinking about what, what is it, God, that you're really wanting me to say? And he brought to me this image of a cup of water being given to someone. And Jesus says, if you give a cup of water in my name, you'll by no means lose your reward. There is a reward in that. And listen to this. And this shocked me. He says, in as much as you've done that, given even as much as just a little cup of water to someone in my name, you've done it to me. And I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jesus. There are some people who don't know you that I might give a cup of water to. So how can you say I'm giving it to you? And, and we think like that, don't we? No, that's not a believer. You know, I'm not doing it to Jesus. It's not what he said. He said it is in the act of loving in his name that he is in that act and you've done it unto him. 
that he has received that love. Whether the other person is a believer or not, we do it unto them because it's unto Christ. We don't do it for the other person. We're doing it for Jesus. And yet, we sometimes close our minds to the people around us and say, you know, I don't like them. They're different. I don't like the way they talk. I don't like what they believe. They talk this way or, or they believe this about you know, this right or that right or uh, this way they um, stand for what they don't stand for and therefore I like them or I don't like them. We give all this room and Jesus just says, give them a cup of water. And to uh, the uh, people who are our enemies, if we pray for them, it's like pouring coals or cold water on their head because it's an act of love. It cools them off. And gives them an opportunity to know there's something different. So, so I was thinking about that cup of water and what we might have done. And each ministry that we've done here, or ever started, was done in love. It was our desire, in the behind everything, was to let people know they are loved. That they're cared for. Some people, though, are so used to rejection that they don't know how to receive love the first time or the second time or the third time, even the tenth time that it's shown them because they've learned not to trust love as it comes with expectation in other areas of their life. If you love me, you must want something. What do I have to do in return back to you? And we've never asked for something in return. That's how you know it's love. There's no expectation of a return. The kind of love with expectation is not godly. It's selfless or selfish and changes nothing. We've worked to change people's expectations here. Been working at it and will continue to do so. Have we done this perfectly? No. No. But we have remained diligent. We haven't given up. And we've not stopped showing love in tangible ways. Because that's what God called us to do. And Jesus said, the love that we share with each other is the kind of fruit that remains. That's in verse 8 in this same chapter. In that regard, there are many things we've done over the last 10 years which could have eternal significance that we may not know about. This kind of fruit is the fruit of our church's legacy here, which we've all contributed to create. No matter how large or small your contribution here, all have made a difference. We can congratulate ourselves, but that would suggest our work is done. It's far from over. Long way away from over. When I arrived here, I was a hurting, excited, scared, nervous pastor, hoping to rekindle my ability to lead and preach. Told you many times I'd given up on church and quit preaching. I was scared of being hurt again by a church. It had happened way too many times. As a matter of fact, I think I told you that I had six times pursued ministry and six times rejected. And... Seventh time, rejected. And I said, just one more time, maybe, but only if God leads. 
And, and a few weeks ago, I shared that story that it was seven times that I'd been rejected. And I said, I don't know if I can do this again, God, because if this happens again, I'm not doing it. And then God showed me a proverb. And maybe you've read it. A righteous man falls down seven times. But he has to get up the eighth time. And the eighth time is the time that brought me here. The eighth time getting up. Because if I hadn't gotten up that eighth time, there would not have been a righteous act in it. But it was a God act that caused this to happen. I didn't know if you knew that, but when I saw that proverb, I said, wait a minute, he gets up eight. Well, I got up seven and I quit. So then God says, try again. And I'm going, only if you do it. That was the eighth time. And that's God working. So I stepped into this church and needed love and guidance. And a pastor. And we were the perfect storm for each other. We were meant for each other's healing. And I was so thankful and I was filled with gratitude that God was willing to use me for His work. I remember those early days here now and how blessed I felt to be a part of this church. My family was loved and blessed by your kindness and gracious reception. It put us all on a path of recovery internally, emotionally, and in many ways that we just all couldn't even put into words. I had questions about my ability and usefulness, but you assured me I was where God wanted me. And God kept having to tell me that too. I didn't have any question in my mind God has brought us here together. I had no question whatsoever. I never wavered in, in that. I never questioned that. Now when I look to what's ahead, I, I don't question my abilities now. Like I did then. I leave with confidence that God is with me. Amen. I also know God is here with you. And He has been with us. He doesn't just leave. I've become a much better person and a much better pastor since I've been here. I told my wife that I was reading this to her, uh, the working draft of this yesterday. And she said, yes, you have. You have become a better person and a much better pastor. Love has been shared and our love for one another, another goes on. And God's work will go on. From a distance, I will know God is working here. People will tell me what y'all are doing. And I will labor in another vineyard. Working to be a better pastor and a better man as I have been doing here. And I pray you will work to be a stronger church. And increasingly faithful as individuals. I'm confident God will do this work where each of us are located. Ten years ago, I was not so certain of that truth. You've given me the gift of belief. I'm so thankful for all we were able to do together and how we loved each other. I don't go into the next church questioning myself or if God can use me. I go with the love and support you have shown me, like no other church, that tells me that I can and God will. This is the greatest gift you could have ever given me. To know I serve and love in ways that make a difference. For this, I'm extremely grateful. And thank you for that.
Now as we prepare to commune together one last time, let it be representative of the work Christ has done in us. He's done it through us, with us, and for us, and it will continue beyond us as we have known us to be for 10 years. Milburn United Methodist Church has become a way of life for me. It will never be far from my thoughts or from my heart. I've loved you the best that I know how. And now my prayer for you is you will continue to love one another and each person God brings across your path. If for no other reason than that it brings you joy to do so, or else because Jesus commanded us to do that. The work isn't done. Legacies are still being formed. Attitudes and perceptions are still changeable and moldable. We've laughed together, cried together, worked to promote the gospel together. We've gone through a pandemic together. Who gets to do that, right? And we learned to do church in ways we never thought we'd have to. That was a learning curve for all of us. You learned to be more self-sufficient with a pastor who did not live near you. And I've learned to find ways to minister outside of my comfort zone and be creative in reaching many in and outside of our walls. And yet, I remember learning from the Generative Leadership Academy about 400 people within a couple of miles of this church who don't know Jesus or are unchurched or both. And yet, knowing all we've done, we haven't yet done enough. There are still people who are unchurched in our community, still without Christ. And that's not bad, because it means we can reach them. That there's still a harvest out there. That our work continues beyond today. That no matter where we go in life, people need the Lord. A few months ago when I was believing that I was going to be reappointed for another year, I was talking with a pastor who does research. And he did research for me. And I want to share this information with you. There are over 5,000 people within a few minutes of this church on Facebook who may or may not be churched. And they're reachable through electronic media. They're reachable on Facebook. Over 5,000 people. Within 10 miles, there's over 8,000. And most people will drive 10 miles to a church they like to go to. So what I'm trying to share with you is that we may have started a work and been encouraged in a work, but we have work to do. We have unfinished business. We all do. And our legacies, as I said, are still being written. But the fact of the matter is the only reason we can ever do this is because we have loved and been loved by the greatest lover of them all. And He's shown us how to love each other sacrificially. And so I want to encourage you this morning as you commune to tell Him I am partnered with you in whatever you ask us to do. And I will help build the legacy of your kingdom. Wherever I may be. And that's what I'm going to ask you this morning at communion. So thank you 
for making me a person who was afraid to do ministry to a person who knows I can. I learned that from you. And I carry that with me. And I don't go without confidence, but rather knowing God can through me if I will let him. And I trust the same for you, that you've received similar. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, it's hard to think of all the things that you've done here through us, with us, moving us to places in our lives where hesitancy moves to willingness, to, to full confidence. And Heavenly Father, that process isn't always easy. For some of us, it takes 10 years to get three months. For some of us, it takes 10 years to go, yes, I can love again. But Heavenly Father, you've always loved us with a love that would never go away. A love that is sacrificial, a love that redeems, a love that hopes, even when the situation calls for human logic to say, this is pointless, this is futile. And you said in, in the same way that at one time, people said the same thing about us. They're not worth it. But Heavenly Father, we've learned differently, haven't we? We've learned to love and to love without expectation. To love because we, that's what we do. And so Heavenly Father, I ask you to give us strength and courage to do that. And to bless this church, Heavenly Father, the church that I've come to know as my own. And be with them and each of us here. As we learn and follow and grow. And I ask that you would call us deeper into you. That we may love others into you as well. Abide with us, Lord. As we help us to abide in your love. That your joy would be full in each of us. I pray this, Lord. And I thank you that a miserable person no longer is. Because of you. And prepare us now for this final communion. Amen.